Blog Talk Radio. The opinions and views expressed by the host and guest are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Blake Radio Network. Broadcasting, broadcasting, broadcasting to the world, broadcasting to the world, to the world, to the world, spreading the news and information. BlakeRadio.com, music for your mind, body, and soul. Talk radio at its best. You're listening to Rainbow Soul from BlakeRadio.com. Topically yours on the Blake Radio Network, Rainbow Soul. I'm your host, Deirdre Schuler, and I want to welcome my listeners on this fine autumn day as we talk with Carolyn A. Butts. Miss Butts is the publisher and founder of African Voices Magazine, and is also the founder of Real Sisters of the Diaspora Film Festival and Lecture ser- Series. I believe the screening is kicked off at the Dwyer Cultural Center on October 5th and will continue at the Alamo Draft House in Brooklyn, which is located at 445 Albee Square West. And that will be on Saturday, October 19th and Sunday, October 20th, where film buffs will be treated to 20 or more amazing films, all produced, directed, and written by women of color. Her magazine, African Voices, was established in 1992 and is a nonprofit arts magazine that features the fine art and literature of artists of color. It celebrates its 27th year this year. Carolyn served as an assistant press secretary to former New York State Comptroller H. Carl McCall and as press aide to the former Manhattan Borough President Ruth Messenger. A reporter, she has formerly she was formerly associated with the New York Post, and was herself featured in Miss Ma- Ms. Magazine's October-November 2001 Women to Watch column for her outstanding achievements. Well, we will talk about her other exploits, but for now, let's welcome Carolyn A. Butts to the show. So how are you, Ms. Butts? It's happy. I'm so oh, happy you joined afternoon. us. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for having um me on with you this this afternoon. Beautiful day. I'm excited about um, the festival coming up this weekend, and um, you know, great to be able to talk about it a little bit here, and the and the magazine as well. Exactly. 
Well, let's just look, take a little look in your background. I, I know you're a Brooklyn native. Is that so? Yeah, I was born and I grew up in Brooklyn. Um, so, yes, this is uh, my home. And Brooklyn has become quite the mecca for artists, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would say it has. Um, it's, you know, the festival was founded here in, in Brooklyn, but it's it's a wide range of writers, visual artists, filmmakers. So it's really uh, a great, you know, um, I'll say place to grow up in as well as um, to just practice if you're an artist to, um, you know, share your work and have a, a really receptive audience. And um, I'm proud to say that after 25 years of being located on 96th Street in um, uh, Manhattan on the Upper West Side, we finally moved our office to Brooklyn in April. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, now I'm sure I, the Brooklynites welcome you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we're very excited about that to have a space now, our business space in, in, in Brooklyn as well. And you do your film uh, um, festival outside that office as well or within yes. that office? Yes, we do everything. It's um, Well, it's interesting. We have, we're trying to establish it as a pop-up gallery where we can feature mm-hmm. like visual artists, um, do small crafts workshops and workshops around healing um, but we also utilize it um, for our meetings for the film festival and for the magazine as well and it's, it's, it's a really great space it's like across the street from Pratt and we're on Lafayette mm. and and the newly named Randy Weston um, way uh, and um, we get so much traffic so many people coming in to ask about African voices what you're doing so it's been like just um, an inspiration to be like in the center of community here in Brooklyn. It's sort of somewhat of a homecoming, I would say. Yeah, it is. It, it really is. And um, I feel like people are really proud that we're there in that space because, um, you know, gentrification has been a big thing in Brooklyn and, and in neighborhoods actually across the um, country. So for us to have that presence as um, a, a black-owned um, business, a nonprofit organization that is publishing um, a literary magazine, a world-class magazine, I think there's a certain sense of community pride um, every single day, day when I'm in my office because it's like a storefront. People can see the art. They can see what I'm doing. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, What's the exact address? so people can go yeah. if they wish to? Yeah, it's 325 um, Lafayette Avenue um, on the corner of Grand. And like I said, we're about um, well, we're, we're about 10 minutes away from um, BAM, you know, if you were to walk straight down Lafayette. Yeah, so well, we're, well we're tell happy. me, how did you get interested in journalism? Did, you, did that start early on? Yeah, I, I started... Um, like when I was 10 years old, um, wow. I, I just was writing. I love writing poetry. I still, you know, I write poetry, short stories. And um, I decided that I wanted a career in writing. And then I kind of did some research and found that as a journalist, I'd be able to um, tell stories, you know, um, share stories of other people. And, that, you know, it's a very early age. I was being ambitious. <laughs> 
Uh, well, did you start so doing stuff like covering your neighborhood as a, a young person or, or doing some filming of your neighborhood? Is that how well, you just started? No, I just kept writing, and then I believe, you know, like as early as 15 and 16, by the time I got into high school, um, I was like the editor of my um, school newspaper, the student printer. I went to the New York School of Printing, uh, which later became the High School of Graphic Communication Arts. And so I actually learned the trade of printing at, alongside the trade of writing and there and you know graphic design is an art as well so I was able to combine all of those later on in my life to start African Voices so I had all those skills and knowledge to to bring writers together and to do editing and create a publication so um yeah yeah when I think about it that is pretty young <laughs> well how did you get interested in politics because you did a stint with the New York State Controller's Office, how did how that how did that come about? Well, it's like I took a little detour. <laughs> um, I yeah, I guess I decided you know I wanted to try something different, and it was really public relations. You know, I like doing that. You know, that's also writing. Um, so mm-hmm. that's what I was doing for the two politicians. I was in the press office and handling news and you know, helping them get their messages out. And I just think um, politics is important to us, how we live, and, you know, affects everything from, um, you know, whether we have a place to stay, a home, a housing, education, um, also the arts as well, what funding is allocated. So I think, um, you know, all of those things led me to the politics. But then I decided you know, when I was in politics, you know, I really wanted to go back to my first love, which is to, you know, be a publisher and to be, to work in the arts, you know. So I think um, that's, you know, so I I learned a lot from politics of how you can navigate to get the um, uh, resources you need to grow your business, your organization. So that, you know, I gained a lot from that experience. Okay, because I was about to ask you, what did you learn from the workings of government? And you just mentioned it. I don't want to be there. I'm going to try to cause trouble. Um, How could I put this? I understand. I believe politics, uh, when it's coming from a good place, is a powerful thing for a community if you're able to leverage it. Um, But sometimes politics, can get um, can be ego driven, you know, and it's and it, and, it, and it gets lost, you know, what the first, you know, the first thing when you're in politics, you're a public servant, you know, and I, you know, in terms of my te- integrity, I believe that, you know, I'm a public ser- servant, like part of even I did things that were not um, part of my job description uh, because I loved them when I was with Ruth Messenger, they had um, an exhibition space and um, because that was my skill and because it's something that was passionate about. I used to bring Danny Simmons. I used to bring so many artists together, um, um, you know, to celebrate their work uh, as a part of their exhibition space, you know, for black history, women's history, you know, different um, things that were gatherings that that office was doing. So, like I said, I I really do 
believe in politics, but I believe when it's practiced from that space of how can I make things better for people and um, when we're able to kind of just come together and not be divisive. Understood. Now, you were a, a reporter for the New York Post for a while. What was your beat? Was it entertainment? Well, yeah, I was doing feature writing. Like, I at, um, interviewed people like Maddie Rich, who did um, Straight Out of Brooklyn. Um, you know, I covered a lot of, um, you know, artistic type, um, you know, events and, and stuff. And in addition to that, I want to just highlight that because this is, I probably, I wanted to highlight that not only I was, was I working for um, the New York Post, but I was simultaneously writing for the Amsterdam News, which is one of the oldest um, black-run and owned newspapers in the nation. So those Tell me things about are in. It. Yeah, no, it was great. <laughs> Aren't they over um, 50 years by now? Maybe almost, uh, yeah, they must be much older. They're, yeah, they're like 110 years old. A little, it wow. might even be a little bit um, older than that. Yep, and um, you know, and they're they still have their building up in Harlem. <laughs> mm-hmm. I passed I by it not so long ago. Yeah, I love it. I took a picture. I said they're still here, you know, because like I said, I mentioned gentrification. Um, yeah. But um, so it was interesting because I I enjoy working at both newspapers for different reasons. I I felt like. Um, the Amsterdam News gave me that nurturing space to cover my own, um, you know, community. And um, I felt like I learned a lot about the craft of um, journalism at the New York Post. You know, there was things that I needed from the New York Post. But, um, you know, I had to write from a certain perspective, you know. Of course. And that was... <laughs> that was challenging. So, <laughs> well, you have to write for what they assign you to write. Yeah, and then I learned. I actually started um, at African Voices because I felt at the Pulse. I said, you know what? I said, um, as a writer, I could do but so much. The editors decide what the headline's going to be, the slant of the story, the publisher, and you know. So I said, if I publish African Voices, if I publish my own um, newspaper, I'll be able to, you know, talk from my In control. Yeah, the control of what is going, the story is going to be the narrative, basically. You know, I wouldn't have to fuss and fight and explain things. <laughs> so now tell me how that got started, the African Voices. Obviously, you took a, a risk jumping out there on your own, right? Did you still work while you created it, or you also created oh, yeah. it with others? It wasn't just you. No, it wasn't just me. Um, Kenneth Meeks, who's now on our board of directors, um, he helped me start the publication, and it was a small group of writers, um, another sister by the name of uh, Savela Vargas, who is going on to be in broadcast television. She was a visual artist. So we had like a little team that really, um, you know, put, you know, help us put out our first few issues. We've always had a small team of people who um, help us edit and and, and find writers and artists. And um, at the time 
I felt in 1992, there were not too many publications that were devoted like to black art, you know, and literature, you know, publishing short stories and poems. So um, that is, you know, and plus my history of being a poet and a writer, that was one of the reasons I um, I decided to launch the publication. And um, it's so funny because another writer, columnist, Flo Anthony, who worked at the Post, oh, yeah. she told me, it. yeah, I love Flo, oh, God. <laughs> she told me when I start, told her I was starting the African Voices, she said, you're going to need a million dollars. That's what she told me. <laughs> and you know, Oh, well, speaking of that, you did get grants, right? I did get grants, not a million dollars. No, um, but the, the, uh, the arts alliance helps you and so forth. Or do they? Yeah, the yeah the New York State Council on the Arts, um, the Endowment the, of the Arts, and so forth. Gosh, yeah, and the Department of Cultural Affairs. We and and people by people sub- subscribing and donating, so we get funded. Um, but at the time, um, I didn't believe that I needed that. I just thought, oh, you know, I have a computer, and all I could do is just get it distributed, and that was it. You know, you're twenty four or five, you're not thinking about um, everything that you would really need. But, you know, a few years into it, I realized that, yeah, for us to really make the impact we did, we would need the money. And that's when I started doing the grant writing and the fundraising to really get um, the magazine where um, where it needed to be, you know, uh, in terms of Is it of a quarterly or do you – do you, you just, do you publish it just out. four times a year? Or it started out as a quarterly. Yeah, it started out as a quarterly, and then um, about seven years ago, we decided to just publish two print issues and one digital if, issue, just because you know what's going on with the printing. Everything's online now, so we changed. Yeah, um, yeah and we and the goal is. Uh, I'm glad you asked that question. Is that we really. Um, want to um, publish like almost like a monthly type of publishing format online, but still keep the two print issues alive. So, so okay, that makes sense because everybody's moving to online and soon the print will be gone. I assume because right now when I send my articles, I'm mostly online. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm, no. I'm hopeful. I, believe that print will still be around like vinyl remember they were saying vinyl is Mm going to be gone vinyl records are now making a comeback and making good sales now so really um, i got rid of my record player (laughs) (laughs) because now it's a big thing (laughs) yeah i saw a recent article saying that um the sales are up and and people are really um you know it's making a comeback so i i believe that we're always going to have print magazines and books, um, but I believe simultaneously that um, for the younger, um, I'm a, you know, uh, I guess you'd call that uh, the Generation X, uh, so we might be the last true print (laughs) people, but um, I believe, (laughs) but I I believe that. But you never know. Yeah. Everything goes around in a circle. Yeah, that's so, what I believe. But you have yeah, to, well, um, you have to, you have to do both. That's what I believe. I don't think you could, um, uh, to get younger people, you really 
have to have an online go online. We, yeah, and we're, I'm proud. I mean, because um, even in the print edition now, uh, we have this tribute to Nozaki Shange that's been selling really well. Oh yeah, I have. Yeah, I have really nice intergenerational writers in there. So we published her friends who knew her, but we published also people who were inspired um, by her work, younger writers. Um, so you see people maybe in their early 20s that were are published in this issue. So that is what makes it very special to me. You know, and, and well, you know, now we when hope you, to continue. Your, your African Voices covers all aspects and genres of art, like stage and paintings and sculptures, mm-hmm. All of that? Yes, we do. We actually have um, a section called the gallery, and we usually feature um, a visual artist. Like you mentioned earlier, um, Alicia Evans is a uh, really up-and-coming artist. That would be like someone we would feature in the magazine and possibly um, online as well. So, yes, we we do. We've covered um, theater, um, dance, choreographers, so we actually do um, cover all the arts, uh, and um, we particularly publish original poems and original short stories and short plays. Great. So Fantastic. you know that's what we do. Do you do reviews? Mm-hmm. You publish reviews? Yeah, we do book reviews too. We have a, a small section right now okay. that we we yeah we do maybe three book reviews per issue and then we're doing uh we'll you know we're going to do more online so that's why i'm very theater excited reviews um theater, theater reviews too. theater reviews we haven't done much theater reviews only because we don't come out the print issue it's, it would be hard but as we develop online i could see us doing theater reviews because then it, it would be timely you know we'll be able to exactly. catch it Mm-hmm. Well, let me know when you do, because I'll send you some of mine. I'd love to get them. That'd oh, I'm not great. putting I'm not putting you on the spot, though. I'm not putting you on the no, spot. No, no, no. I, I, I wanted to. I'm glad to have this space on your show to talk about um, the types of works that um, we publish, because we want writers to to send them in or to send us, you know, samples of their work and. And you know, be able to showcase them on the the website as well as in the print edition. Now, let's let's go to your film endeavor. How did that get started? Uh, did you were you in contact with actors and filmmakers when you were writing? Did you meet them that well, way through your African no, voices? No, well, actually, it 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 it, it is a direct um, I. I consider African Voices storytelling organization, so it does, um, you know, reflect all the forms of of art that we um, create. And how I got into the film portion of it was directly inspired by African Voices. Um, uh, There's a short film online on YouTube called Underground Voices that I did with uh, Reggie Gaines, who... um, was one of the writers for Bringing the Noise, Bringing the um, Funk, which is was a, a theater play. And uh, we co-produced a, a short film featuring, like, Jessica Kim, Moore, Style Williams, um, you know, a whole bunch of um, Sh- um, Sharice Simmons, a whole bunch of um, poets who were 
very hot on the scene in the 90s, and we were specifically connected to the Brooklyn Moon that's still there. I'm so happy that he's still there. And that used to be a hot spot for poets and, and comedians and, and performers um, back in the 90s. So um, that's how I got into the film thing was that um, I wanted to produce a larger documentary on the poetry movement. Um, and then I learned that, you know, it was tough and challenging for me as an African-American woman to get, um, you know, a break to be able to get a film financed. I learned that less than 1% of African-American women directors um, in Hollywood um, get those directing jobs. So that's how I started Real Sisters was from that um, that challenge that I had personally in trying to get a film um, created. Well, how did you get Underground Voices to air as a PBS special uh, on I'll Make Me a World? Well, you know what? They came to me. <laughs> I got there you go. $800 for a short, like, few seconds of, of the footage that we shot. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> yeah, that's better than nothing. Yeah, you got yeah. it out there. Yeah. I, you know, and it's interesting because um, I'm going to go back to that project, but in a different way. Um, I actually want to do something on the arts movement um, that that was happening in the 1990s. Um, But from the perspective of not just the poets, but from the fact that at that time, Fort Greene was so different. You had 4W Circle. um, You had all these black business owners that were on these strips. And then you had the artists as well. So I kind of want to do a short that would incorporate um, some elements of the art movement, but also talk about gentrification and how things have changed along that strip of Brooklyn. So it's uh, not it's not finished yet. <laughs> well, tell me about you're presently engaged in, in your first uh, feature-length documentary film called The Drum Master. Tell me about that. Yeah, um, I wanted to showcase... Um, Emotech Gary Bird, who's a, a radio um, show host that also was back. There was so much things happening in the 90s and the early 200s. So he was, um, he still works for BAI and WBLS. So um, I started a documentary on Gary Bird, I think in 2010. Um, and again, the everything deals with how can you... Um, get a certain amount of money to produce your work. Mm-hmm. So I did start the project, but then I put it on um, hold again because the money, it's just no money to um, to finish it. But we did film some segments of him at the radio station um, and, and different interviews. And I, I started the process on, um, you know, doing a little research. Yeah. So that that's, that's kind of what happened with that. <laughs> Well, he's so known that probably down the road money will flood in from who knows where, but hopefully it will. And let me ask you about the lecture series for your film festival. What is that about? Oh, yeah, I love um, what we're doing. Uh, We have a theme called I Got Your Back, and we wanted to deal with, 
like holding space and and healing, you know, Um, because I feel this is a time when we need that. We need to do that for each other and have a certain level of um, unity um, for issues that um, we're facing when you're talking about violence, when you're talking about domestic abuse. And so this particular segment, um, we're featuring featuring several films. One of them is called um, Ballad After Dark. And the other one is called. I saw that. It's great. Yeah, and nothing happened. Oh, these are powerful films, and it's dealing with um, women who have experienced trauma in their lives. So, um, so many black women have. Yeah, so we're no. going to showcase those films and have a conversation around them. And we also have um, a drama therapist who's going to be a part of the segment. Um, just in case people are triggered, it's going to be like a really safe space uh, for people to work through um, whatever the feelings they have, they're going through. So, and that's happening. Do you Saturday, also have events? Two o'clock. Huh? Do you also have events, events that honor honor women, honor women in film? Yes, yeah, yes. We just had um, this last Friday. We honored um, Leslie Harris, the director of Just Another. Um, girl on the IRT and um, we honored also uh, Sandra Guzman who is the co-producer of um, the Toni Morrison doc uh, The Pieces I Am and and the third honoree was Nana Camille Yarbrough who's a cultural um, activist and artist so it was a very wonderful um program that we had where Rosie Perez came and she was part of um, you know one of the presenters who helped us um, really um, honor these phenomenal women so yeah we do that we try to do that in different ways throughout um, the year you know find ways to really celebrate women of color who are in the film and the arts well is the film festival annually annual or, or no um, yeah, it's the annual film festival um, every October. It's usually about the third week in October where we're in Brooklyn. But before that, we have like a six weeks where we do the kickoff in Harlem. Uh, we have different events around this, the city where we're screening films. And, you know, so it's, you know, it's a really rich thing. And, you know, we really want um, families and, and, and other women to come out and support um the filmmakers in our festival. We give cash awards this year. We gave close to three thousand dollars to the award winning nice. filmmakers. Yeah, so we really want to support every way we can. So whatever money we raise, when people come and they buy the tickets or make a donation to the festival, um, we look for ways to give that back to the filmmakers so that they could keep, you know, supporting um their craft. You know, we have a screen. And I also want to mention. Mm-hmm. I want to mention that it, um, Real Sisters was listed as Film Daily's top ten women-centered festivals, so it's it's being known and, and uh, celebrated by others. And we also the um, the first Academy qualifying film festival for narrative shorts that um, is devoted to women of color. And that's important because, um, you know, the, the short film, the short narrative that is 
the winner in our film festival, we can send that on for Oscar's consideration. And as I mentioned um, before, you know, it's opening doors because we're not um, getting no stars. We're not getting the recognition we deserve. So it's another avenue for um, women directors to be considered for an Oscar. So, well, that's you know, about, we're, we're what I was about high. to just ask you. If, if women are, are, are these artistic women now beginning to get jobs as a result of the films that you showcase for them? Yeah. In whatever position. On. Yeah, they go on and get jobs and, and opportunities. Um, one year, the public um, media, uh, black public media, they um, actually distributed um, a short, I think it was a seven-minute film, and it got $3,000 um, for end distribution um, online. They have an online streaming um, uh, service. So we, we're always looking for ways to, um, you know, that women can get those jobs and opportunities that will um, advance their careers. Um, and, you know, we've had BET support our filmmakers as well. So, yeah, so we're definitely um, proud of that. And I would say things have changed a lot, too, because Ava DuVernay, you know, she's hired so many women through Queen Sugar and her other projects that, um, you know, the industry is changing a little bit, and Netflix has been good about that as well. So, um, it's you know, we still have a long way to go, but you know, at least there you can see some progress. Well, tell me, what is the submit submission process to uh, submit films to Real Sisters? Um, you can go online. Our submissions uh, will open November the first. And it's uh, we're available on Film Freeway. So, you know, for tickets, for submissions, go to realsisters.org. Um, so it's R-E-E-L, sisters with an S, uh, .org. And um, that's how you can find out, you know, when the, our submissions are, uh, are open. And, you know, last year we were fortunate. Um, we received over about almost – 500 submissions, and uh, we wow. were able to showcase. Yeah, yeah, this is amazing. And then we were able to showcase about 50-something films, maybe 56 mm. or 7. Yeah, so and every year we're growing to, to be able to do more with the, the festival. Well, sounds like you're doing great work for the artists in the world. And as you say, women of color are beginning to become prominent and and your venue is one of the ways that they're becoming known. So you are a great power and very appreciated. Thank now you. we're coming. You're quite welcome. Now we're coming to the end of the show. But is there something I haven't asked that you would like to uh, say? Well, just uh, what I said before. Please come out to Brooklyn this weekend. Bring. Um, your friends and your sisters and enjoy a weekend of, um, you know, film and networking at Real Sisters. We're there from October the 19th to the 20th at the Alamo. Um, you know, check out the schedule, realsisters.org. Um, if you want to volunteer, that was another thing I didn't mention. Uh, we're always looking for people to volunteer as well. So um, look online, realsisters.org. Um, there's a place for you to 
sign up and join us as a volunteer and just help us keep the festival alive, healthy, and growing. What time should they do the film start so they can get there on time? Oh, yeah, thank you. (laughs) The festival, it's from 1 to um, about 9.30 on Saturday. We're showing the Apollo as a feature film. Um, On Sunday, um, it's from 1 to 6.30, and at 4 o'clock, our closing film is really, and it's free. We we got a sponsor, so um, it's called Skin, and it's dealing with the, um, mm-hmm. you know, the beauty. You know, we're talking about the, how do we define black beauty, and it's from a Nigerian perspective. So um, people, nice. you know, come out. Yeah, so then it's a free screening, so again, online, uh, 1 to 630, um, you know, that'll be wonderful. I hope to see you. I really hope you're able to come through. Well, I'll see. Brooklyn, I'm in the Bronx, I'm in Yonkers. I know. (laughs) So it's such a trek for me. (laughs) Pardon me, you got to move it up here. (laughs) Yeah, we got to do real sisters and yonkers. We, we try. Well, you know, one one day you'll get so big you'll have, uh, you know, offshoots. Yeah, yeah. But we do travel. We have a teen cinema where we go to different um, places um, in not just the city but also in different parts of the country. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, thank well, you. Well, Carolyn, it's been such a pleasure talking to you, and um, I want to thank you for gracing my show. And, of course, I wish you continued success with African Voices and the Real Sisters of the Diaspora Film Festival and your lecture series. Well, folks, our guest today was Carolyn A. Butts. And as I said before, she's the founder of African Voices Magazine and the Real Sisters and R-E-E-L, Real Sisters of the Diaspora Film Festival and Lecture Series. And this is the Blake Radio Network. I'm your host, Deirdre Schuler, thanking my listeners for making my topic topically yours. And now we're going to end the show with the opening tune, Obi. Lo, 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 lo,